Hey everybody and welcome to the Mosaic Campus Church Podcast. We're so happy you decided to join us here today. Uh, we are kicking off our series called Real Talk, where we're looking at different cringy passages within the Bible, uh, ones that we just can't figure out, ones that we wonder why are they even there, uh, how do they apply, and so that's what we're going to do over the spring, summer, and today's talk looks at a passage in the book called Second Kings chapter 2, uh, where we read a story of a prophet named Elisha and his first day on the job, which uh, looks like it goes so well, but so bad at the same time. So I hope you enjoy this talk today. As always, if you got questions, feel free to reach out. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, you can email us, mosaiccampuschurch at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Enjoy, and we'll see you soon. Hey everybody, this is our first talk from our series called Real Talk, and we're super excited to get into it. Uh, we hope it's going to be really valuable for you for uh, this spring, summer, summer semester. Um, and in case you haven't heard, this is basically what we're doing. We are looking at um, what I would term as cringy uh, scripture passages. Um, yes, the term I used is cringy. Ones that you read and you're like, ah, I just wish I never read that, or you just have no idea why it's even in the Bible, or maybe it feel it makes you feel uncomfortable, um, or it makes you wonder why is this in here? This is not applicable to today. And there is, uh, despite what you may think or might what you might want to think. There are quite a few of these in the Bible, and so we're going to talk about them. Um, the thing about a series like this is I would much prefer to do it uh, in a room where we can have some interaction. Um, and one, we can't really do that with COVID because COVID. Um, and two, um, this is just something that we've decided to do over our podcast to see what kind of interest is in it. And then maybe we can take it further when COVID kind of um, is less of a major thing in our life. Maybe we can make it into like a, I don't know, a small group uh, kind of topic or something like that. But for now, it's on the podcast. And so we're going to look at uh, a different passage um, each podcast post, and it should be a good time. And so today we're looking at a passage uh, from a book in the Bible called Second Kings. And so this is in the Old Testament, and if you're not familiar with the Bible a whole lot, the Old Testament is the first half of the Bible, um, and it is um, the one that people actually don't like to read a whole lot. <laughs> um, the Old Testament is, uh, the New Testament is just full of like hope, and Jesus is here, and he saves humanity for good, and all this stuff, and then the Old Testament is just like, you know, these passages of that talks about God's wrath, and sin is a huge thing, and how um, these people chosen by God just couldn't uh, surmount to the guidelines that they needed to uphold in order to be considered blameless in front of God, and so it's there's yes, there's hopeful pieces of it. It's very important for us to read it, to understand it, to even fully appreciate the New Testament. But a lot of times people put it on the back burner because they just more appreciate the message of the New Testament. So we are looking at this book, and that was a bit of a ramble, but I apologize. We're looking at this book, Second Kings, uh, chapter two. We're looking at a story, um, and basically the story is about a prophet named Elisha and. Prophets, in case you don't know, they're basically were people who um, they're kind of like messengers on behalf of God. God would give these prophets um, a word, some guidance, some correction, and then the prophets would then speak it to whoever God had intended to speak it to. And Elisha is one of these prophets, and we're going to get into his background story a little bit. Um, but there is this really cringy, uncomfortable story 
about Elisha, and we're going to read it and then kind of pick it apart and see if there's any way we can make sense of this whole thing. And so here's the passage, 2 Kings uh, chapter 2, starting at verse 23. It says, Elisha left Jericho and went up to Bethel. As he was walking along the road, a group of boys from the town began, mock, began mocking and making fun of him. Go away, Baldy, <laughs> they chanted. Go away, Baldy. Elisha turned around and looked at them, and he cursed them in the name of the Lord. Then the two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of them, 42 of the boys. From there, Elisha went to Mount Carmel and finally returned to Samaria. Now, for some of you, you're like, I want to light this on fire. What is this story? Why is it there? You know, there are so many questions with this story. So let's get some background info, dig into the story a little bit, um, and see if that helps us at all. So Elisha, he's this prophet, as I said, he gets words from God. Prophets were revered people. You know, they were messengers on behalf of God, so you respected them. You know, they were uh, kind of like an authority figure because God has chosen them as an anointed person to communicate his word through. So you didn't mock them. You didn't, you know, you respected them. You were, um, you were very hospitable to them. You welcomed them into your city, blah, blah, blah. So Elisha is one of these prophets. Now, Elisha um, came, he's like the successor of Elijah. Elijah is another prophet well-known. We read about a lot in 1 Kings. And Elisha is kind of like his shadow, meant, or uh, meant, like he's following basically Elijah everywhere. And Elijah is like grooming Elisha into being a prophet. And we read many stories of the two of them interacting together. At this point in our story, Elijah has passed away and he is ascended with God. And Elisha now has taken on kind of the mantle of Elijah's work and is now a major, major prophet who communicates on behalf of God. The passage we read is his first day on the job, okay? <laughs> Which makes this whole story even more crazy. But so what happens right before the bear incident is Elisha is kind of traveling uh, on his way to a place called Samaria. But while he's on his way there, he is approached by these leaders in a town called Jericho. And they go up to him and they say, hey, we have a problem. My Lord, they even call him. Again, you revered these prophets. This town is located in pleasant surroundings, as you can see, but the water is bad and the land is unproductive. So they look at him and say, hey, we have no good water supply. We need some help. This is a huge problem. Elisha says, okay, go get me a bucket full of salt. So they get him, or a bowl, sorry, a bowl full of salt. So they get him a bowl of salt, and he throws this salt into their water source, and it immediately purifies their water source. And so they have clean drinking water. It is a great water source for them. So Elisha's first act on the job, you know, not bad. You know, He takes this water source, which they couldn't drink from, and he purifies it so that they are able to, you know, job well done. And he continues on his journey. So he leaves Jericho and goes up to a place called Bethel. And so as he's walking along in this town of Bethel, these boys, where he can consider them to be anywhere from like 15 to maybe 25 or 30. They were young men. You know, they had, you know, a bit of a background of knowing they weren't like so young that they had no idea who Elisha was. You know, they knew this man was important. They probably knew he was a prophet. They probably knew that he was up and coming after Elijah. 
And so they knew they had to respect him. They knew that they had to revere him, that they had to hold him as like in this kind of high standard as someone who speaks on behalf of God. And so he's walking down along this road and these boys come up to him and they start to mock him and say, go away, Baldy, which is absolutely hilarious. Um, They, you know, I mean, Elisha must have been bald, but and it was probably sensitive to him. But they say, go away, Baldy. And they're basically mocking this prophet. And Elisha, you know, like anybody who may be uh, losing their hair, you know, it's a process that's hard to kind of overcome, to wrap your head around. I'm not there yet, but I'm sure I will be one day. As you start to lose your hair, I'm sure you're a little bit extra sensitive, but Elisha must have been really sensitive to this because he begins to curse these boys in the name of the Lord. He begins to curse them. And what happens is these two bears come out of the woods and they maul these kids you know we have reason to believe that they were extremely hurt they weren't killed but they were extremely hurt and there's almost no resolve with this story because it says from there Elisha went to Mount Carmel and finally returned to Samaria so these these kids you know these boys yes they knew better but these boys they call him bald tell him to run away go away baldy Elisha is very sensitive to this curses them these two two bears maul these kids and it's no like oh he felt bad about the situation you know he realized he overreacted you know didn't didn't try to care for them we don't hear any of that the scripture the passage just tells us that they mauled 42 of these boys and it says from there Elisha returned to Samaria finally <laughs> like this story is insane it really is People have struggled with this story for years, and many still can't make sense of why it's there, why it happens, and why it all happens in the name of the Lord. It's cringy. It's really hard to figure out. And so let's look at it a little bit, see if we can kind of make some sense out of this. So the first thing I want to look at is um, the fact that they mocked him, okay? As I said, They knew that this guy was a prophet. They should have respected him. But it was almost like um, it can kind of be interpreted of them saying, you know, go away, Baldy. It's kind of some people interpret that part as them saying, hey, like, make sure you're representing the way that Elijah did. You know, make sure you're acting in the way that a prophet should, like Elijah, who you studied for so many years. You know, which is a good point. You know, like we can look at people in leadership or some kind of authority and say, you know, like these are big shoes Like you make sure you fill them well. But there's also this piece where if we're in like being led by someone where we have to submit to that person and respect them. And so, you know, this criticism of, you know, go away baldy is probably not the best way to say, hey, make sure you live up to the calling that you're in. But that's how, that's why some people think that's why these boys said this to them. The other part I struggle with where is where it says Elisha curses them in the name of the Lord. What does that mean? You know, the, the God I know, the God I've chosen to follow, the God I serve, the God I read about through Jesus is a loving God. So how can Elisha curse these kids in the name of the Lord? What does that mean? Curses in the Old Testament. This is kind of what I got from this. 
curses in the Old Testament, they basically um, happened by authority figures, prophets especially, um, and they happen in the name of the Lord in situations where there may have been a group of people, a city, a town, a place that should have been following God. They were chosen by God to follow God. Sometimes these curses were used for people who had kind of fallen away from that purpose, where they have kind of, you know, a lot of people talk about walking towards God, and but sometimes you become wayward, you get sidetracked, you go off track, maybe you turn around and go the other way from the direction that God would have you. Sometimes when people would be wayward, we could say, or would go off um, their purpose or direction, or go off center, off the rails, we could say, sometimes these prophets would have these curses that wasn't necessarily with this evil intention of, oh, I'm going to harm you because of what you've done. But it was with this intention of, hey, you're going to suffer these consequences because of these actions, so try and get back on track here. You know, and we could get a little more, you know, intense with saying, hey, you're wayward, here's an experience to get you back on track. You know, and it's this hard kind of thing for us to struggle with, you know, of, oh, does God do that to us, you know, where... You know, if we make a wrong decision, if we choose to be a little bit sidetracked, he's going to cause consequences to come on us. You know, I, I don't know if I necessarily believe that today. But in these Old Testament contexts where prophets like Elisha here does curses these boys, they were mocking a prophet. They were giving him correction in a way that they shouldn't have. You know, and ultimately many people, if you b- believed if you mocked a prophet, you were mocking God. You know, he began then decides to give them a teaching moment, saying, you're out of line here, and he curses them in the name of the Lord, saying, hey, you're wayward, you need to get back on track here. And what happens is, as a result, these bears come from the woods, and they maul these boys. Now, there's also this crazy, which is hard for me to talk about, theme of animals being used in these curses, where animals are used to actually kind of set people back on track in terms of following God. We can read right in the beginning of the Bible in a book called Genesis of the creation of the world. And when God created uh, the first people in the world, Adam and Eve, he basically told them that they had dominion over the earth, over animals, everything in the sea, all over the plants. They had dominion. They could rule over it. And sometimes we see in these curses, animals actually having authority over humans to kind of undo that blessing that was given to you humans in the beginning, to kind of say, hey, this is what happens when you don't choose to follow God here. This is what happens when you don't make God a priority. You know, the blessing that you've been given can be undone to the point where you have been given dominion over animals, but in this moment, as you are wayward, these animals are going to have dominion over you. Again, a really thing to wrap our head around, but that's kind of what the message is here. So this curse is basically saying, hey, kids, you are off track here. You are out of line, and you need to be taught. And the way that they are taught this is this blessing they've been given of having dominion over animals. They are actually being um, given authority to, I don't know if that's the right way, but the authority, kind of the dominion, the rule, the blessing is flipped where these animals actually have dominion over these humans. And then Elisha carries off onto Samaria. This is a frightening passage. (laughs) Um, And I think it's going to be one of those ones where I'm going to struggle with for the rest of my life um, because I can't seem to make sense of it. 
you know, what an awful first day for Elisha, you know, a prophet who did something so well by purifying the water for in Jericho. But then what something we could say is so awful where these kids go through this excruciating experience. But the whole kind of message between this story is that, you know, we have this one town who they believe in God, they respect Elisha for who he is, they go to him for help, and they see these results of this water being purified. But he goes to this other town where there's these kids who are nasty to him, you know, they don't respect him, and this is the result of it. It's a message that's there that can be communicated, but it's a message that I really struggle with. As I read these passages in light of who Jesus is, you know, I don't think Jesus looks at us and says, hey, you're wayward, so I'm going to curse you in the name of the Lord. You know, I, I don't think Jesus looks at us when we make a wrong choice or maybe we're in these depths of the most darkest points in our life where we keep making bad decision, wrong decision over wrong decision, and we're so far from God we feel like. You know, I, I don't think Jesus then looks at us and says, oh, you're going to suffer the consequences because of that. Do we go through consequences? Yeah. I really believe that a life of following Jesus brings us so much peace and joy. Yes, we have hard times, but we experience them in a totally different way. And when Jesus isn't a priority, we go through these different kind of uh, circumstances, these tragedies, these uh, points in our life that are really hard, and we feel like we don't have the peace of God, we don't have the joy of God, we don't have His strength and His help, and it actually makes life tougher. So yes, when we're not following Jesus, there are kind of these consequences. We experience life in a different way. But it's not Jesus saying, hey, I'm going to make life really hard for you now because you decided to walk away from me. No, that that's not the Jesus that I believe in. So to read this passage in the light of the Jesus I know, who I believe is a direct representation of God, I find it really difficult to say, hey, this passage still applies today. Yes, we need... I think it's so important for us to follow Jesus wholeheartedly, um, to be purposeful in everything we do, and to be the best representation of him here on earth. Now, I think um, we should try and love Jesus with everything that's in us daily, minute by minute. But I don't think this curse you in the name of the Lord thing is something that still happens to us today. And so for you who maybe are listening to this, and you're in this kind of position with a relationship with God where you're like, man, I don't know about this. You know, I, 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 I believe God is there maybe, but I, I struggle with a lot. You know, I've had a really hard go at life and, you know, I'm just in this place where I just don't know if I can just give everything to God right now. And life seems to be as a result of that, like you're being beaten up. You know, you've, uh, God is maybe uh, putting punishments on you. I don't believe that. Yes, I really believe that life is harder for us when we're not following Jesus. You know, I think we go through life without experiencing his peace, his love, his comfort, his strength. And yes, we go through that if we're not following Jesus. But he is not intentionally causing harm to your life because you're in a moment right now where you're questioning or you're finding it hard to give your all to him. Jesus loves you <laughs> no matter who you are or what you've done. And there is nothing right now that you can do or that you will do that will change that fact. And I believe he is a loving God, he is good, and he is always for you and never against you. 
And so this passage today, yeah, it's interesting. It's one that we turn our head to. And it's one that can, yes, communicate to us, you know, like it's important for us to follow God wholeheartedly. But the result is nowhere near what these boys experienced. (laughs) You know, we don't go through consequences because of our actions that are given to us by God. You know, God loves us. He's for us and nothing can be against us. And no matter who you are, what you've done or what you continue to do, he is there with you and you could not be far away from the loving arms of God. That it just cannot happen. And you have the opportunity to choose to uh, love him, to serve him, and to be in a beautiful relationship with him and experience the peace that passes all understanding and what you're going through in your life right now. And if that's something that you want to have a conversation about, please reach out to us on our social media, Instagram, Facebook, mosaiccampuschurch at gmail.com. You can email us. We would love to journey with you in your relationship with God. If you have questions about this, awesome, because I still do too. And there may be some things that what I just said may not make a whole lot of sense. That is highly possible, and I would love to keep the conversation going. But the whole point of us of this is to get us thinking more in-depthly about what we're reading in our Bibles, to kind of scratch our heads and think, oh, man, how do I work through this and who I know of, who Jesus is, and hopefully kind of get a more enriching experience out of Scripture together. So as always, if you have questions, feel free to reach out. We would love to hear from you. But this is our first talk of real talk, looking at 2 Kings chapter 2 of Elisha and what was can be seen as the worst first day of being a prophet known to man. As always, we are here for you. Let us know if you need anything. We love you, Mosaic. Um, and we will be continuing to post um, different talks about this real talk series that we're doing. And we'll hopefully see you soon, everybody. Have a good day.